Hello everyone and welcome to the Pet Accountant Podcast with me, your host, Vicky Clark. I'm going to help you get to grips with your finances, save you lots of money and take the stress out of doing your tax return. So let's get going. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to this week's Wind Down Friday. Uh, we've got a very tanned Lee with us today, he's back off his jollies. Um, and myself, Vicky, uh, we run the Pet Accountant. If you're new to the groups, and you, I know we've had quite a few new members. Uh, we do run the Pet Accountant, which is a accountancy firm. So if you ever are looking for one, because I know quite a few of you said that you are who's joined recently, then just drop us an email at admin at thomasandclark.co.uk and we will help you. Uh, Charlotte's saying hello from Mexico, you lucky devil. Um, and Sally, yay, yay, Lee's back. I don't know if you take that as an insult, really, Sally, but uh, it was it was me and Susan last week uh, talking about mindset and stuff. So we are back on track with uh, financy topics, and the one that comes up pretty much every day and has come up in the lives that we've done previously is around um, cars and vans. You know, what can you claim? What can you not claim? You know, how do you put a car through your books? How do you put a van through your books? Now, as I said, this is quite a complex topic and it's not easy for us to try and explain in a simple way because it is just very complex. So what we may have to do is do like a part one and a part two, because if we try and do it all in 45 minutes, your brain will be fried and you'll probably just not take any of it in. Switch off. You'll switch off because Lee will bore you to death for the first half an hour. Um, And it it is so it is quite complex. Rather than just bombard you with information, we're going to do it in in bite-sized chunks. Um, so to start with, we're going to talk about, um, and this may sound silly, but what is a car and what is a van? Um, because again, we get asked that question, is a Citroen Berlingo multi-space a van? No, it's a car. You know, so it really just depends. So is a truck, does that count as a van or a, or a car or whatever? I think so, it's worth mentioning as well is that a commercial vehicle is different to a car and a van again. So, so there you go. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to start from the very basics of what you would classify your vehicle as to start with. And then I think we're going to go into what you can and can't claim for. Um, and then next week we will go into sort of like the del- depths of capital allowances and, and how you're supposed to show that. Um, so hopefully... We'll explain it well. gin for that one. <laughs> you might need a gin or a bottle of gin or a whiskey or something because it is, like I say, it's going to be quite complicated. So take notes. If you've got any questions as we go through it, just pop them in the comments box uh, and we'll try and answer them as we go. Um, if you, if I don't mention it, it's just because I'm leaving them to the end because sometimes it in, in, interferes with the flow and then we go off tangent slightly. So... Um, any questions, put them in the comments. And uh, like I say, you can watch this back. And if you're listening to the podcast, then make sure you've got a pen and paper ready because there's going to be lots of notes for this one. Right. So let's start with the basics. Car, van, truck, commercial vehicle, whatever. Right. How are people deciphering what they've actually got? <laughs> <laughs> with great difficulty. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. So... A car for HMRC purposes is is defined as any vehicle that has rear seats and rear windows. Okay, so this is why sometimes the uh, it can you know a a car can fall into a couple of categories and a van can fall into car categories. I say, doesn't a van have rear seats and windows? Uh, it, it does, but it then HMRC classifies it as a car rather than a van. So the idea of HMRC's classification of a van is that it is it only has front seats, it has no uh, rear and side windows, and it is capable of carrying at least a one-ton payload in the back. Now, that's the bit that separates the cars out. And then we have commercial vehicles, which is the hybrids between the cars and the vans that does have rear seats, but does also allow for pickup of at least one ton, such as the Warriors. The, is it the Toyota Warriors? or Yeah, like the trucks. Yeah, like, yeah. So for tax purposes, they are a car. 
For VAT purposes, you can claim the VAT back on a commercial vehicle. But if you're, you buy a car, you can't claim VAT on it, then the only things that you can claim the VAT back is a um, black cab taxi and a dual-controlled learner-driver vehicle. They're the only cars you can claim VAT back on. Anything else, you c- the VAT is gone and you have to pay it, can't claim it back. However, that's not t- to say that you can't claim part of the car or the van as an allowable expense in a sole trader's accounts. And again, very different to limited companies. So we're just dealing with the sole trader sites here. I think, yeah, for ease, just, let's just go sole trader, normal car. Normal car. Van. Yes. So dog yes. walking van, a car that maybe a dog groomer uses to drop dogs off. I don't know. Just a normal car and a normal van for sole traders for ease. Yes. So we have to be careful because some vans are classed as commercial vehicles. Some are not. If it's not classed as a commercial vehicle, you can't claim the VAT. However, you can still claim if it's a van, you can claim it in full in your tax return as a sole trader. If it's a car, you can't claim it in full in your tax return. You can only claim a proportion of it each year on a diminishing basis. So be what I do by diminishing. So for argument's sake, depending on the fuel of the car, uh, the, the CO2 emissions, you can claim up to 6% of the car's value every single year in your accounts. But that 6% is restricted depending on the number of business miles and the number of personal miles that you're doing it. So if you did 50-50, 50% in business miles, 50% in, in um, personal miles, out of that 6% of the value of the car, you can only claim half of that 6%, so 3%. When you do next year's tax return, you've already had 6% of the value, so you could have another 6% of the remaining value when you take that little bit off and, and you repeat that process year on year. Now, your business and personal mileage might change year in, year out. So just because you only claimed 50% of your 6% in year one, the year after, you might do 90% business miles in there, and therefore you can claim 90% of the six that you're allowed to claim for the car. Why do vans differ, or how do they differ, I should say? So vans differ because they are designed for business purposes, and generally you wouldn't use a van on a day-to-day business trip, or also not a business trip, but day-to-day usage, unless you've got a business reason for it. So HMRC allow the full cost of the van to be claimed in year one, which is the bigger difference between a van and a car. So when clients sit to me and say, do I buy a car or do I buy a van? We have to think about the tax efficiencies of it. And generally by buying a van, you can put more of the cost of that vehicle through in the first year, which generally results in, for most clients, they made a loss in that year. So we can offset the taxes or, or roll the loss forward. Now, we do restrict the claims on the vans just like we do with the car. So if they only use the van for 90% of business and 10% personal, we can only claim 90% of that van as well. So whenever there's a personal involvement and personal usage, we always have to restrict the amount that we can physically claim to account for that because quite simply, you can't put things through your business that you're using personally, which is why when we look at the use of home, it's always done on a business usage, personal usage split. So the way that we usually get asked about, you know, how do we finance the van? Is it or the car? Is it better that we get a loan? Yeah, go for it. Before we go into finance, and let's just yeah. recap because I feel like okay. we might use people. So if I was to buy a car, yeah. And just say it was 10 grand. Yeah. I could take six percent of the 10 grand. Yes. And then I use the car, let's say, 80% of the time for business use. Yeah. And I would have 80% of that 6%, and that's the figure that would go in the tax return, right? Yeah. I'm only asking you questions that I know we get asked because there'll be people out there going, well, I need to understand this. So this is why yeah. I'm asking you the questions because I know what you guys ask. So if you've got a car, 
6% of that value and then the percentage of that 6%, depending on how much you use it for business and personal. And then the next year, fast forward a year, you would take the remainder of that balance, do another 6% and repeat the process year on year and keep taking that chunk off. Until you sell the vehicle. Until you sell the vehicle. Right now I've got a van and I've spent 10 grand on the van. Let's just say May. Can I then put that whole 10 grand? If I use if that van's purely business, I'm a dog walker, I don't use it to go out and about, it's just a it's just a dog van. I can put the whole 10 grand through. You can. Yes. So there's the difference. So the car is a very small percentage, and basically you get a few hundred quid, obviously, depending on how expensive the car is. And then the van, I can put the whole 10 grand through. But again, it depends whether you should put the whole 10 grand through because if do you know what I mean? So maybe we should go into that yeah. before we go into the financing options. So that becomes a little bit tricky because we, we've we've kind of got to look at how somebody is doing their accounts. And I think what's what's really important to note at this stage is the moment that you put the purchase price of the car or the van through, it changes the way that you have to keep receipts and what you and what method you use for claiming mileage and maintenance of the vehicles. So when you don't put the van through, but you use a van personally or a car personally, and it's not and the, the original purchase doesn't mean put through, you can elect to choose actual expenses where you keep a record of all of the fuel, all of the maintenance, all of the MOTs, anything to do with that vehicle, you put in your accounts. And then depending on the split of business or personal, you restrict that claim to match what you use the vehicle. The other option that you've got is you claim 45 pence a mile and, and for every mile that you travel in, in your personal car. And I say personal because you didn't put it through the business, uh, through the books. So you claim 45 pence a mile and that is tax-free repaid back to you from your business that you don't have to pay taxes on when you report it through your, your, your self-assessment. When you've made that choice, you can't ch- swap and change until you change the vehicle. Once you've changed the vehicle, if you put the purchase of the vehicle through your business and you claim tax relief on it, you must record actual expenses of the vehicle thereafter. So you must record the fuel as and when you top it up. You must record all the maintenance. You must record anything to do with the DVLA. Now, what we've had is some clients go, well, I didn't put some receipts through because that was personal usage. But you can't do that because you've got to put everything through and then adjust what you've put through on the percentage. You by doing it receipt at a time, you know, one for the business, one for me, that doesn't give you an accurate representation of what you're allowed to claim as an expense. You could be underclaiming, you could be overclaiming, but you can't measure it because you don't know how much you actually spent in the year. So it's really important that once you buy the vehicle through the business, you put all of the receipts through, or if you opt to do it. Um, as that on your own personal vehicle, again, everything goes through. And then before you submit any things at the end, you need to take out uh, a figure that represents your personal usage of the vehicle and the, the, the running costs of it. So if I told up all my petrol receipts over the end, it came to like two grand, but I use my car or van for 90% business use, I'd just take 90% of that. Yes. Figure. Yes. So if you don't put your car through, you can do mileage or actual expenses. If you do put your car or van through, it has to be actual expenses only and not mileage. Correct. Right. What if you've had the car for like 10 years and then you start in business and you want to, and then you use that car solely for business use? How do you then put the value of the car? Do you just get whatever that car's worth at the time? Or how you do you you can't introduce that car as a business expense because you didn't buy it for the business. You can't sell it to yourself because remember you are the business. So mm. therefore you can't introduce that. What you then need to do is, is any, any asset that you had when you start trading in business, you can claim for the value up to seven years prior, as long as you still have it and it's still being used in, in business now. So in year one of your accounts, if you didn't make any money and you put through the £1,000 trading allowance because you didn't want to put any expenses through, 
It's one of the reasons why we don't recommend that you use the trading allowance and you claim actual expenses. It's because you lose the ability to back claim for seven years worth of expenses that you may have that you're now going to be using in your business. So year two comes around and you go, oh, well, I've made a bit of profit now and I'm going to put all these expenses in that, that you know, my, my, my setup costs that I didn't put in last year. Unfortunately, that would be classed as tax evasion because you should have done that in year one. So anything that you've forfeited in year one is now gone, um, which is why I'm coming back to the car. If it was bought within seven years and you, you're using it for part of the business, there is an argument that we could include part of that purchase maybe in with your accounts in year one. Um, it's a little we'll bit of stress. Back, go back to the purchase original purchase price of the car, not what the car's worth at the time. Um, it's it's a real difficult one because mm-hmm. the the... The argument could be is, did you buy that car for the intention of starting the business seven years in advance? And the answer is probably yes. no, which is, which is where this 45 pence a mile comes in. So if you are going to start using your car for business purposes that you've just started, I would be much more inclined and less likely to rattle feathers at HMRC side if they come knocking if you just claim 45 pence a mile for business purposes. Once you're trading and then you decide to buy a vehicle, and if you are using your car for business purposes as, as well as private, then that's when we can start looking at putting the vehicle into the accounts. Okay. Um Donna has put, hi, if the 45p mileage is tax-free... Do you have to put it as a different expense when filing your accounts? I just file a whole figure for expenses and mileage. No, the whole idea is is that um, you can put it in your accounts um, so that you receive tax relief on it through your tax return in, in with your, your figures. If you claim more than 45 pence a mile, uh, you have to pay tax on the difference and you have to report that as well on your tax return. So basically, Donna, if you've done 500 miles in the air, 500 times 45p, and that would be your motor expenses. Um, Mary, can you claim the upkeep of the car? Um, This depends. Sort of MOT, servicing, tyres. Only if you, once you've elected which option you're going down, so if this is a car you owned prior to starting the business, um, you can put some of the upkeep through as, as as long as you're putting physical petrol receipts through as well. But like I said, you have to restrict the amount at the end of the year. You go back, look at what you spent on petrol, look at what you spent on the upkeep, um, and then look at how much of a percentage of the business of the vehicle use was business. And then you 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 restrict that running costs and the upkeep to, for argument's sake, if you used it for seventy five percent business. You look at everything that you've put through and you can only claim 75% of that. So what you basically do is you put 25% of it and you you either lower your figures by 25% um, or you put 25% of that to drawings if you've got software. So And then that reduces the claim down to what you are allowed because of the usage of the vehicle. Fab. So next scenario then... And let's do it for a van because that's more popular, I guess, than cars. Does it matter if I was to go and buy a van, whether I paid cash, got it on HP or PCP? Because they're going to be different, aren't they? They are. So there's some complex maths around these because each one will add up very differently. So if you pay cash for it, it means that it's going to eat into your cash reserves. So if you have free cash lying around and you don't want to pay for finance, then cash purchase is the way to go. However, that leaves you a little bit short. You don't have that cash for a rainy day. So you have to weigh up the fact whether or not buying, uh, taking out a loan and paying loan interest would free up the cash that you may need for your business, um, but allow you to buy the van at the same time. Now, when you take a, a, a loan out for the van, and it, it could be financed directly with the garage, it makes no difference. The, the loan itself is not classed as income, and therefore it's not classed as an expense when you repay it. However, the interest that's applied on the loan is an allowable business expense. 
So the loan itself can reduce your, your tax liability because you're paying less money on your profits because the loan interest is taking them down slightly. Now, what that means is that it every month you'll have a payment going out, but you shouldn't be claiming that payment as, as an expense because it's repaying the loan that you didn't class as income to start with. Which which is what we tend to find either where people are using paper accounts or yeah. software is that they put the monthly payment, loan payment, through as an expense. Yes. And that's that's not allowed because the loan isn't an expense. What is expense is in that scenario is the moment that that van becomes into your possession and ready for use, you can claim the full value of the van in that tax return, even though you haven't finished paying for it yet. So that's one of the big differences between a, a finance agreement to buy the loan, uh, to buy the van, sorry. Uh, and if we then look at a monthly lease of a van, you're paying every month to use that van to another company. Those lease payments, because the van will never be yours, you've got to give it back, you would claim those lease payments in your accounts month by month as they happen. So you might pay more for the van overall because you're renting the van from this company who's got to make money. Um, However, when that van goes back, you don't have to pay any tax back to the tax man that you received at the front end because you had all this relief because you spent 19, 20 grand on a van. So that's one of the things to, that catches people out is that when they sell an asset and it doesn't have to be a van, it could be a grooming table, it could be a bath, it could be a computer. It doesn't matter. When you sell it, you have to pay tax on the sale of that item because you had the full relief at the front end. So you pay the tax on what you sold it for. Which I'm sure there's probably loads of people out there that sell, that claim for like something. Yeah. And sell it, but don't actually do anything with the sale of it. And I think that, again, just comes down to knowledge. Um, is, is that the, the lease? Is a PCP the same? Because obviously at the end of the PCP, you've got the option to hand it back or keep it. Mm-hmm. So what was if you kept it and didn't hand it back, but you'd claimed the monthly payments? So at the end of that, there's a balloon payment to make, mm-hmm. isn't it? So yeah. you would just then claim the balloon payment. Oh, okay. And then that, that zeroes it out. Yeah. Fab. Does that make sense, everyone? Let us know if we're going too fast. This is the easy bit. (laughs) Weirdly, this is the easy part. Um, And this is why we get so frustrated when people say, oh, it's really easy to fill in the tax return, because actually when you think about it, to get that figure in the first place to put on the tax return is the complicated part. When, you know, we spoke to someone today that had been doing their own tax return for a few years and hadn't claimed for their van you know, hadn't put fuel through and things like that. So there's the benefit of of having an accountant. It's not really just to complete the forms and and do and submit to HMRC. It's the knowledge behind it that you're paying for, not necessarily us filling in the form. Um, Right. Uh, A couple of questions. So I have two cars. So can I put through everything for my van? If the van is used for for work purposes and you've claimed for the van and everything for that van can go through. Fabulous. Uh, from Jenny, so I bought my van two years ago, not through my business. I use it for personal travel too, which probably works out at 80, 20. I've been claiming work mileage, but should I be claiming for all my mileage? The problem is, is that because you've put the van through, uh, if you so okay, so if you didn't put the van through and you've and you've only claimed for business mileage, you have to continue claiming for business mileage. So it's forty five pence a mile just for business miles. You can't include the personal usage on there. Fabulous. Um, are credit card bills okay? As I haven't requested actual receipts at the pump. Um. So this is a a contentious topic, <laughs> and we. I'm going to answer this in a general way because we have this with our bookkeeping clients as well. And what I say to people is that when they give us their bank statements and we try to do their bookkeeping, the bank statement will say something in in general. So it might say Tesco's. What the bank statement doesn't tell us 
is what you bought at Tesco's. Now, you could have bought fuel. You could have bought flowers for your wife. You could have bought chocolates for your boyfriend. You could have bought dog chews for your dog. <laughs> and, and there lies the problem. So lost receipts for the odd transaction is absolutely fine. However, in general, you have to keep your, your receipts for up to six years past the end of the accounting year. Your receipts detail exactly what was purchased from that shop. So on that petrol receipt, you may have bought some chocolate bars, you may have bought some energy drinks, and you bought fuel. Now, out of that receipt, it's only the fuel element that would be allowable as a business expense unless you're working away and having an overnight stay somewhere. So because there is the ability to have different items on, on a receipt that the bank statement won't show and the credit card statement won't show, it will just say that you've paid Tesco's 50 quid. You must, where possible, keep the receipt that details what you physically bought. HMRC will look at your bank statement, but they will want to see the receipt because, again, the bank statement, the credit card slip doesn't say what you bought and whether or not that was an allowable expense. Their argument could be, it doesn't say what you bought, therefore, we're not allowing it as an expense, and therefore, you've got to pay more tax. And also helps when you have the receipt uh, with our poor apprentice, Adam, who has to Google things because he doesn't have a receipt <laughs> and comes across, comes across, I'm across, across <laughs> very dodgy websites. <laughs> He's had an education in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. been on Love Honey. He's yeah, that that was quite best. sweet actually because he said I thought somebody just really liked honey until he googled the website and he went bright red, didn't know what to say, and tried to shut it down as quickly as he could. <laughs> Bless him. So we have an apprentice called Adam who's under the watchful eye of Lee and Abby, and they're like something Love Honey came up, which for you know the older generation will know what Love Honey is. And bless him, he thought it was honey and he Googled it and then bless. Yeah. And he's also, he also found some burlesque clothing. Yeah. Um, whilst Lee was on holiday because he didn't know what burlesque was and started Googling it. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's had an education along with some accounting education. Needless to say, I think I had to wipe the history on the computer. <laughs> so, yes, obviously receipts do help us, you know, know exactly what it is that you've purchased and whether we need to Google it or not. Yeah. Um, so Vanessa has put, uh, what happens if you pay the balloon payment with a loan? Can you claim the monthly payment? Um, that would work in the same way, I guess. It, it would work in the same way, yes, because ultimately you're just getting a loan to, to pay off part of the vehicle and there's no difference there where you may have to pay a deposit and then the rest of the vehicle on finance. So that would be absolutely fine. And the key thing there is, is that even if you bought a personal car, that that you put through the business and you you're on you know you're a, a business and, and and personal split the loan that you use to buy the car part of that can go through as well the interest because it's it would be in the same percentage of the business use of the vehicle so this is where sole trade aside becomes much more tax efficient and much more friendly with the expenses that we can put through compared to a limited company because if this was a limited company that we were talking about right now, I'd be saying, absolutely not. Don't you dare get a car. It's going to cost you loads in tax. Um, you, you know, don't, don't do it. And the only car I would ever recommend that you get for a limited company is a 100% electric vehicle. Um, and even still, it will cost you money in tax to have an electric vehicle. But at the moment, it's just 2% of the vehicle value every year. Um, and, and, you know, when, when electric vehicles are 50, 60, 70,000 pounds, it's still a lot of tax to pay. It's not going to save you money, but the company is then able to pay for the vehicle. So if it's your company and you're a sole director, really makes no difference because that's money you could have been taken out as profits anyway. Um, so it's just another way of, of shifting how you remove funds from the company. Um, but playing with the tax side of things. Uh, but but certainly, even with a van, and, and we would get into benefits in kinds, and, I'm, and that's not what yeah. this is about tonight, which is why we're staying away from limited companies. And this advice is purely and solely on sole traders and partnerships. 
Yeah. Um, Natalia's put, um, that's why accounting software is so useful when you can take photos of receipts. Definitely. Jack's put HubDoc. Yes, if you don't have HubDoc, yes. you need to get it because it is a godsend. Um, someone's put, uh, poor Adam. Um, <laughs> um, can you chuck the receipts once it's on the accounting system, on the accounting software? Yeah, so th- this was a question that was raised in the group, I think, while I was away. Um, and I did respond to one of the answers on that. So my view is, and we have had uh, an inspection from HMRC with regards to that. Uh, and that's obviously where they want to check the receipts. During that inspection, we didn't send any physical receipts to HMRC. Everything was done digitally. So as far as we are concerned, and the advice that we're giving to clients is, as long as you have a good photograph of that receipt, where you can see all four corners of it, and ideally the back and front, a little bit difficult if you're doing it with a phone, um, but like we have a scanner, we can put things through and it does both sides, uh, and then that will get uploaded to HubDoc. But anyway, we have a copy in HubDoc and we have a copy in Zero itself attached to the transaction. HMRC was absolutely fine with those digitally stored receipts. You know, HMRC are archaic in some respects, but they are accepting that we're now in a digital world where keeping boxes of records up in a loft where they will fade because they're on thermal paper uh, it just isn't feasible. And, and the longer that you receive, you keep those receipts to one side, the quicker they fade to the state of where you can't see anything on them at all. So actually, in that instance, a photograph of the receipt is better than the actual receipt itself. Yeah, there we go. Um, da, da, da. Is it better to log daily mileage or keep petrol receipts? Um, right. So that is a real tough question, and I, I can't answer that on here. And the reason I can't is because it depends on how many miles a year that you do and whether or not they are business and personal, because there is a Basically, the lower the miles that you do, 45 pence a mile is more tax efficient than actual expenses. If you do many business miles a year, actual expenses is more tax efficient. But I, I can't tell you where that, that exact split is without doing some maths. So it's really difficult. So it depends on your car as well, though, because if you car- Exactly. Yeah, whether it's petrol, diesel, the running costs of it. So there's a lot that comes into play there. But, but generally... You know, I would have said if it's if it's talking ten thousand miles, but anyway, ten thousand miles, you can claim forty-five pence a mile. So that's four and a half thousand pounds a year that you'd receive tax relief on. Everything over ten thousand is twenty-five pence a mile. So you're not getting as much bang for your buck at that stage, which is why if you do more than ten thousand miles, it might be worth looking at whether actual expenses of the running costs of that vehicle is going to be more tax efficient for you. But you've got to remember, once you've made that election of, of how you're claiming, you can't swap and change year to year. It's only when you change the vehicle. Fabulous. Uh, Monica's put, um, because it happened where the receipts have faded in my bag before I go scan them in. What yeah. is up, Doc? How long have they been in your bag? How long is your bag? Um What is HubDoc and how much is it? So HubDoc is a receipt capture app. Um, it comes free with zero, um, and I think you can purchase it as a like a separate thing, can't you? For like a ten yeah, a month. It's like uh, ten pounds, so it might be around about twelve, thirteen pounds oh, as a standalone. Right, yeah. so you're up to fifteen quid a month, um, but you get it free with zero if you use that software, um, and it is really, really, really good. Um, I know free agent have like receipt capture app, um, which they are now going to be charging. charging for. So if you, I think it's if you. Do, if you capture more than 10 receipts, which let's face it, people are going to have more than 10 receipts. I've got four here. Um, then they're going to charge you, I think, a five for a month um, to do it. So, yeah, it's definitely worth it, though. Um, yeah. Only a week or so, but I walk in all weathers long. <laughs> <laughs> you get yourself a better bag, Monica. <laughs> Would that be an elaborate expense? No. unless you've got a computer in in which case you require the bag to put the computer in as protection if that bag then allows for other pockets for you to carry stuff then there is a potential that it could be there you go you see so we've had apple watches 
Uh, what else was it? Washing machines. And yeah, lots of plates. And now laptop bags. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Um, we don't have any shares in any of these things. Um, right. So we've covered difference between vans and cars. The fact that you can't do mileage, then actual expenses, and then vice versa. What you need to include if you're purchasing a van, what you need to include if you're purchasing a car, and how you work that out vaguely. Um, obviously, when it comes to doing the tax return and asking for capital allowances and annual investment allowances, that is what we're going to discuss in next week's part two, because honestly, you're going to you, you need a drink for that, and you definitely need to probably rewatch this four times to get your head around it. But what we'll try and do, oh, I'm not here next Wednesday. Or Lee will have to do it on his own. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going on holiday. Uh, will I be here Wednesday? Well, I might no. be, actually. I'll be, no, I won't be. I'll be on a plane. Um, so we may well do it next week I'll have to sweet talk Lee into doing it by himself or getting some sort of host to do it with him because he doesn't like doing it on his own um, oh, Monica's just put thank you I've just signed up as a client Tegan has been brilliant oh bless I think she's watching Monica so she'll love that um, but at some point maybe next week maybe the week after um, we'll do part two with the capital allowances maybe Abby could do it yeah maybe yeah, we could do it. I mean, if you think Lee's strict, wait till you meet Abby. <laughs> like literally nothing. Um, so yeah, if you think Lee's strict on what you can put through, wait. Wants photographs of when you use the item. <laughs> Abby wants photographs of you in the bath, in the car, using it every day. Um, so yeah, so hopefully we'll see if we can get her one next week. But we'll do part two just because. It is such a massive topic, and obviously we have exams on these things, and it's quite hard for us to try and explain in a simple way where you'll understand how to do it and put it on your tax return, which is why we always say to people, when we get like people that ring up and say, oh, I've bought a van or a car, how do I put it through? Can I just ask pay for your advice? It's almost cheaper for you guys just to let us do your tax return than it would be to sit hours on the phone trying to explain how to put the van or car through, what you need to do and what calculations you need to make. This is just at the front end when you buy it. You've got to remember there's going to be times where you dispose of assets and there's a process to follow for the disposal of them as well. And where I say disposal, that's where you sell them. Even if they break and you've got an insurance claim, again, there's a process that needs to be followed to remove those from your accounts. Now, when you claim these things, HRC has a record of that. So when you then decide that they've gone, they're still on HRC's record. So there's little things there that they can look back and go, well, hang on a second. You know, back 19 years ago, you had a, a car or a van. Where is it? Where, where's that gone? So it's it's really important. So whenever you buy something that's that's classed as an asset within your business, you should all have an asset register and that records certain things that allows you to keep track of what the item was, when you purchased it, how much you bought it for, when it was brand new or whatever you paid for it. Did you claim it in full or did you claim write down allowance on it, which is the 6% a year, year on year. Um, and then when you sold it, how much you sold it for and what that was worth by the time we got to that stage in time. Um, so there's lots of things that we do in the background that you might not necessarily see because those are the types of things that we don't give to, to clients to sign or to, to check over because it's what we record as part of what's called our working papers. And our, our working papers is a, is a complex Excel spreadsheet with multiple tabs that checks and rechecks over certain things within your accounts that once we've finished with it for one year, we can roll things over from it from into the next year onto a new set of working papers. And it we maintain that. It might be worth us doing a, a live on what is an asset. Because again, yeah. when we're doing uh when we're on um software, you know, we'll have we'll have clients that'll that'll make uh, a printer an asset that's 40 quid. Yeah. Which again, we you know you need to be educated and what an asset actually is so that you account for it properly. Um, so maybe we'll do a live on assets and what actually an asset is. Yeah. Um, 
Tabitha has put is there a template for an asset register Tabitha you don't need one because we've already done it <laughs> as a client uh, obviously we do that for you regardless it's not anything that you really need um, all it is is basically a list of all the assets that you've bought so if you've bought a bath table clippers uh, expensive scissors things like that then we will list that for you um, but it's not something that you you need if you've got us doing it I could show um, um, <laughs> Tabitha's, Tabitha's laughing <laughs> no. do it for you Tabitha you don't need to worry about it uh, where is it uh, to, to asset register so show you yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I share like, my I know what that asset register looks like. And I feel like you're showing people they're gonna look at that and go, what the hell? <laughs> they are, but it because we talk about something, it's 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 probably easier to show just how many cells that we have to fill in. Let me give you sharing rights. Oh yeah. <laughs> just be careful what you oh, share. I am. <laughs> Lee was on Love Honey earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not looking for honey oh I, I can't share it I've got to shut down and come back out I can't do it oh boo can't do it yeah Why you share it uh, you should be able to share it if you want to open up a blank working paper oh right hang on oh god <laughs> pressure's on now pressure's on what the hell have I been looking at that's the question what, whilst Vicky's looking for that um, I'll explain that the, the asset register records the, the purchase of the asset but the main purpose of it is one to track it, but also it it records the depreciation of an asset as well over time. And the reason that we depreciate an asset is because as time goes on, it loses value the more that you use it within the business. So every year you'll see in your accounts a value for depreciation. Has that worked? It is. So that is our, one of our uh, asset registers. Um, so you can see in there that there's quite a few boxes to fill in just for when you buy something as an asset. So your car would go on there, your van, your laptops, your phones, your baths, your uh, your blasters, quite possibly your scissors. Um, you know, it all depends on the value of the item. Um, and and just the effort goes into doing a tax return. It is not just filling in. Not just filling oh, in. <laughs> look at those tabs. Look how many tabs we've got to fill in. Someone tells me to fill in a form. I'm going to send them this spreadsheet <laughs> because you've got all sorts on here that we have to do. And it, and I know, again, like if you're a dog groomer and someone says all you do is like brush a dog, your dog walk, all you do is, you know, play with the dogs all day. And it's very infuriating when people don't understand what it is that you do. And this is why we do these lives as well, is to educate you on what accountants actually do because some people don't even know what we do, which is fair enough. Um, but this is why we're, we're quite open and um, of what we do and how much we charge and things like that. So we're quite happy to show you these things to say, you know, it is quite a complex thing. I was going to say, you would never, ever get an accountant to show you their working papers, whether they be blank or not, ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just not done. Um, even when you leave an accountant and you... Um, go to a new accountant. Your new accountant will ask for certain things. They can ask for the working papers of how they have calculated something. Um, and quite simply, the, the intellectual property of that belongs to the accountant, not to the client, and they won't pass it over. So working papers are different to every different accountant or bookkeeper that you go to, and no set will ever be the same. Um, is really good because he's a computer geek. <laughs> knows his way around an excel spreadsheet (laughs) so what what we try to do is we when we have a new member of staff that starts with us that has worked with other accountancy firms we pick their brains utilize their knowledge and we update our internal workings and our, our our templates for anything that is is a better way of doing things whether it becomes more efficient um, because like you guys, we we have to look at our business and we have to look at how we can grow it and are we doing things correctly? You know, should there be more things that we're doing that would make the processes easier and better for our clients? And you know, when you when you guys review your businesses, which you should do regularly, I would say 
if you're if you're running your own business, if you're a sole person, or if you're in a partnership, take time out of your business at least once every quarter, where you can ask somebody else to to run it for you, or you you close down for an afternoon or something, where you can go away, review your figures, and just look at your business as a whole, and look at where you can start making cost savings. Look at whether or not you're charging the um, whether you're charging the, the right amount of money, uh, whether you need to adjust your prices. Maybe you're overcharging some clients and you need to reduce them down slightly. You know, it, it, it's, it's only when you can step back from a business uh, to really understand what's going on that you make better business decisions. Making them on the fly without understanding everything and really thinking them through, you can make the wrong decisions. Uh, and sometimes it's really hard to come back from that. Certainly, if you've told your clients one thing and then you thought, oh, no, perhaps I shouldn't have done that. I should have gone this way. It's very hard to have that conversation with them to say, look, I'm really sorry, I've got it wrong. So by taking the time out and having no distractions, there's no point in saying, I'm going to have this afternoon off and then go and spend it in the park with the kids or something. It just doesn't work. You've got to have structured, dedicated time where you can open up the accounts, look over them, look at your profits, look at your expenses, look at how much tax that you're going to need to pay, look at what you're spending on broadband for argument's sake. You know, what are all these little things that are going out of your bank account for this business and do you need to be paying them? People don't like to pay tax, but the more tax you pay, the more profit you should be earning. So, the idea of the game is, yes, we want to increase profits and, yes, we want to reduce taxes. But in reality, if you are paying more taxes and we've claimed everything that we can to reduce that down, and that, that's the key thing. There's no point in, in not claiming for things. Once we've claimed for everything and we've maximized your, your, your allowances and your tax efficiencies, after that, your taxes will start to build up because you should be making more money. Me and Vicky went away. We went to Philadelphia. We went there for the, the, the grooming convention that was out there. We found it oddly a bit... Yeah, that, that was the word I was looking for. Let's be honest. We found it a bit crap. We did. We did. But we used the time wisely. We sat there for three days straight. In the pub. In the pub, yes, in the pub, but we didn't have those business distractions and we looked at every business. And it whilst it was a waste of time going to America for the grooming side of things, um, from a business perspective, it was really, really helped us refocus and given us a little bit more drive. And the two of us are now singing off the same hymn sheet. We're working together and we're starting to drive that business forward again. Um, we talked about the different topics that we've got coming up on the Zooms of what we can cover. We looked at the performance packs so that we can look at the getting them out, which they've started to roll out this month for our bookkeeping clients. We looked at then how we're going to adapt that for our sole trader clients to, and partnerships to give those uh, the same analysis of, of the accounts. Um, we've looked at what additional team members we need so that we can support our clients better. Um, honest to God, the, 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 the expensive trip that was for something else turned out, whilst it was a waste for that, turned out to be really profitable for our yeah. time um, to go through the business. And, and having that time, seriously, do it for one afternoon, plan it so that it's not just ad hoc, so that you know exactly what you're going to do and plan having time out of the business. And I promise you, it will make you feel better. It will re-energize you and it will change your mindset of how you look at your business. And you will start to see things that you didn't see while you're stuck in that day-to-day grind of it. And you will look at ways that you can improve your efficiencies. Can you get another dog in? Can you put the prices up? Um, Honest to God, it, 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 it will work for you. And if you, you want to have a chat with us, um, just to see how the type of things that you should be looking at um, or if there's things there that you think, well, I've got an idea and I'm not too sure about how to roll it out or whether or not it's the right idea, bounce it off us. You know, pick, pick the brains. You know, we, we have clients that go on different courses and different mentors and things, but you've got to remember, we, we're your accountants. We, we are figures. We see the figures. We see the bank, you know, we... 
We have different clients that come to us with different ideas. They tell us about their past experiences. We've spoken to hundreds of clients in a similar field to you guys. So we're more, I would say we're, 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 we're more ideally situated to be able to have those conversations with you um, and, and to be able to give you an honest feedback. And we're not going to say, yes, do this or no, don't do that. We'll have a, a conversation where you will make the decisions, but we will give you the honest feedback on what you're saying to us and whether or not we believe it would be a good idea or, or whether or not we think, do you know what, that's a great idea, but why not consider X, Y, and Z as well? Because if you do that, then it might change this, this, and this and, and lead on to future things for you. So we do have, and I say this on a few lines, we do have business experience in, in sales, marketing, yes. finance. So we're not just you an accountant even if you're not a client and you want to pick up brains that's absolutely fine um and you know we have some of our clients that come to us with different business ideas and, and like they said we look at your figures so what better person to speak to about how to make profit and whether you've got money to do x y and z than your bloody accountant um so we're going to be looking for a grooming conference in australia next year that we can go to for our next business meeting. <laughs> I wish that was true. That's <laughs> such a good idea. We should go abroad more often. Um, maybe we'll do it on our Spanish retreat. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, that is still in, I'm still thinking about that. So that hasn't gone out the window. But we will wrap it up now because it's uh, it's getting late on a, on a weeknight. Um, so hopefully that's been helpful again let us know if you want us to go over anything. Um, like I say, we're always on hand for consultancy calls. You don't necessarily have to be a client, although you do have to pay for those just as an FYI, because obviously it takes up a lot of our time. Um, they're not mega expensive. So if you want to pick our brains and let us know. Um, and like I say, if you if you want us to do anything or make something, or you know, if if you've got an idea in your head, you think, oh, that'd be really good for us groomers or dog walkers, can you make X, Y, and Z on Excel? for us then leave an excel genius just let us know and we'll, we'll try and put something together to help you like we've got the, the packs you know people aren't tech savvy and they don't like using the computer then you can get our packs on the website and you can just fill them in manually so you know we're always here to help so just let us know if there's anything we can do um i will be here for the next couple of weeks because it's my turn to go on holiday um and i will make sure lee does something whilst i'm away um i'll try and find an, a partner if anyone wants to um, apply for this role of Wind Down Wednesday, Lee's partner, then please let me know. <laughs> that might be a good idea, actually. Um, if you want to be Lee's duo on Wind Down Wednesday next week, let me know. It's always good to have someone on there from a, from an outsider's perspective asking the questions. Um, other than that, have a great week, and we will catch up with you next week. Um, and, yeah, enjoy. Take care, guys. All right, cheers, everyone. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye. thanks for listening if you've enjoyed my podcast don't forget to subscribe for me and if you want to speak to me please visit my website at www.petaccountant.co.uk and if you'd like to join my facebook group which is full of like-minded pet professionals then search accounting for pet professionals in facebook and i will see you there